0: Hello, welcome to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten and today's guest is Bill Conway, a co-founder of Hard Times and also one of the hosts of the new skate video podcast, Vert Button. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Ryan. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Now today's topic is a—it's uh, part of our sports uh, installations here. It's a sports dump. We're talking about the most notorious piece of footwear in skateboarding history, if not sports history. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, there, it, no one ever talks shit about like anyone's basketball shoes or any any you know cleats or anything like that. It's only the Osiris D3 that gets brought up as an awful piece of sports shoe, uh, you know, and skate shoes at large. What do you think about the Osiris D3s before we get into it?
1: So, to me, the D3, I remember, so I was about 15, 16 when they came out, and they were an abomination to me. Like, they... (laughs) Uh, and I think part of it came from the fact that I think the price point was north of a hundred dollars, and as a broke skateboarder that couldn't afford to get decks, I couldn't. There was no justification to pay this much for a shoe, and uh, also. Uh, despite what some people want to say about how great they look, I mean, they're simply just ugly, ugly shoes. Yeah, I mean, it takes yes. like a whole tractor tire to make one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're definitely, uh, they definitely leave
0: a giant carbon footprint, <laughs> you know, if, if, if you will, uh, and, in, in a huge footprint, Anyways, <laughs> despite right. all the, they're just a giant <laughs> shoe. And for those of you that aren't familiar, the Osiris D3 is a skateboarding shoe that, yes, it's massive. It's known for being this huge, huge piece of apparel that you know has every single kind of accoutrement that skaters thought they might need back then. Nowadays, skate shoes are a far cry from what they were in 1999, um, and for good reason. But before we get into the history of the D3, we have to, of course, go all the way back to just a brief history of skate shoes in general. So... Skateboarding was created in the 1950s by surfers looking to pass the time when the waves were bad. Initially, most skaters rode barefoot. In the early days of skateboarding, they preferred footwear. Uh, you know, or the preferred footwear for those who wore shoes were either Keds or Chuck Taylors. The rubber sole combined with durable canvas made them ideal for the sport and became the backbone of skate shoes for years to come. Now, the idea of riding a skateboard barefoot is terrifying now. Uh, the, the whole thing back in the day was that skateboards didn't have grip tape. So it it wasn't that big of a deal. But like also the main thing with skating back then was bombing hills. Uh, You skate. I I can't skate anymore. I I enjoy riding them, but I was always too afraid to ollie. So I never got, uh, you know, I never got off the ground, but I would never ride barefoot.
1: No, there is some, there's a, in Welcome to Hell, Jamie Thomas lip slides a rail barefoot. uh, And it's insane to, to think, I mean, the impact alone, like you said, even grip tape, let's take grip tape out of the equation you're riding a skateboard you have to stop eventually and unless you want to roll to a complete stop you're going to have to place your barefoot on asphalt and you're going to scrape it up i don't there was a guy that was i i live in los angeles i was in the silver lake neighborhood that would run barefoot through silver lake like i get barefoot running i understand <laughs> it but not in the city like go to the beach you can barefoot run there yeah no um, there's too much broken glass there's too many little pebbles Skateboarding barefoot is a psychotic thing. There's too much poop. Yeah, oh yeah. Let's not even get started on the poop.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. That, yeah. to me, that, that's my main concern always. But anyway, so with the creation of the Ollie in the late 1970s came the need for a more durable skateboard-specific shoe. Vision Streetwear designed the Suede High series in the early 80s. The Suede High featured a high ankle, a rubber sole, and an Ollie patch. Other companies, most notably Vans and Airwalk, followed this blueprint as well. Now, this is where you start seeing skateboard shoes kind of as we know them today you know fashion goes in a cycle so what was popular 20 years ago is going to be popular you know now and you know it it just continues like that so what you're seeing now is a lot of you know very minimal skate shoes like there's not a lot of you know bells and whistles on them and that's how they started and if it ain't broke don't fix it and that kind of goes into the osiris d3 thing where it's like there's no need for all this
1: and that's where the uh a lot of those early shoes were high-top shoes. The very popular, still to this day, Vans half-cab came from Steve Caballero literally taking scissors to his shoes and cutting off the high-top to be a mid-sized shoe. Uh, and that's where the half-cab came from. It's half the, half the height of... Of your your standard high top shoe, uh, so uh, it that innovation came from just people hacking up their their monstrosities of shoes.
0: Yes, because even then they were too big. E- even the first skate shoes ever invented were still. Too much shoe, uh, and that's kind of going to be the running theme of all this. You know, another really popular skate shoe in the 1980s were just the Air Jordan ones. You know, and this is kind of the root of the puffy shoe trend that we'll see. You know, happen within the next you know decade or so in the, in this timeline. Um, also Reeboks, so like with the pump and stuff. All of these were popular, and I feel like there was this blend of like thrash metal culture and skateboarding. You know, with like fishtail skateboards, then you'd have the super big puffy shoes, and a lot of people I feel like weren't even doing tricks. It was just like transportation it was like your beer run shoes you know or beer run you know mode of transportation but then the people that were doing tricks were needing specific shoes because as tricks evolved you know so did the need for you know more uh more accessories, I guess you could say. And also just street, Scott, or, or like street style skating exploded in the 1990s, and skaters began to shy away from the bulky high-top styles of the 80s skate shoes and drifted towards sleeker low-top designs. The pioneers of this design, was, and really the founding fathers of skate shoes as we know them today, were brands such as DC Shoes, Etneys, DVSs, Duffs, Dukes, and Ss. Now, what was your first pair of like, honest-to-God skate shoes?
1: I believe it was uh, from the brand Simple. Uh, Simple was a short-lived brand uh, that Ed Templeton skated for before he went to America. And uh, it was a very, very, very basic shoe. Black suede. Uh, kind of, uh, it, it had, it was not the vulcanized sole, so it was like kind of the harder rubber and kind of a big collar around it. But for the most part, if you were to look at it, pretty nondescript shoe
0: right my first pair was a pair of uh, the day one song dvs's and you know back then you know like a lot of girls wore skate shoes and you know they'd have the big puffy laces and stuff this is you know we're skipping ahead a little bit but in my era you know late 90s early 2000s uh you know the time of the d3 like the way that they would market a skate shoe to women was like these ones are black and these ones are for boys and these white ones are for girls yeah, look the at same the pink thing. trim yeah, exactly. And I had the white ones. I made the big mistake. So I came back to school with my $80, you know, DVS is thinking I was the shit. Uh, and then everyone just made fun of me for having girl shoes. But again, we're getting closer to, to kind of this monstrosity that this whole episode is about. See Eric Coston's signature shoes for S's included air cushions, most commonly used in basketball shoes. This was one of the biggest innovations in skate shoes at the time and paved the way for the big bulky puffy skate shoes that this episode is all about. Chad Muska also had a, Signature pair of S's that included a hidden pocket behind the tongue, and they were the first skate shoes to exceed a $100 price tag. We're getting closer and closer here. Do you remember the Muscas? I mean, I, uh, I I live a little bit of a different lifestyle uh, than you, so to me, you know, I've always loved the idea of the stash pocket. But when those came out, all I was really putting in there was
1: like change, right? <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? Like I wasn't putting like a dime bag in them when I'm like 11. <laughs>
1: Right. Uh, yeah, I remember those specifically coming out and uh, seeing them in catalogs. And as you said, uh, we lead different lifestyles. So as a straight edge kid from age twelve, I was always like, "No thanks." But those Eric Costons, his first shoes, were one of the first more expensive pairs of shoes that my mother like splurged on for me, and I ended up ripping them. They were supposed to. They were designed as a durable shoe. Uh, and I blasted through them pretty quick to the point where my mother went to the skate shop and complained. And it still <laughs> haunts me
0: to this day yeah.
1: that yeah. my mother did so that.
0: D- <laughs> drags you in by your ear. Yeah. <laughs> it, exa- but also, I mean, it could have made you look cool too because it's like, hey, my kid just thrashes too hard. Like, he, he's obviously <laughs> thrashing harder than the one of the top skaters in the world because these shoes didn't last him but, you know, one day. But this brings us to where we're getting at now. Now, as hip-hop influence grew in skate communities, skate fashion became flashier, bigger, and bolder. And this brings us to the biggest, puffiest, most obnoxious, and well-known skate shoe of all time, the Osiris D3, and more specifically, the Osiris D3 2001. Now, Osiris is a skate shoe and apparel company that was founded in 1996, and their head shoe designer was Brian Reed. Reed designed the majority of the shoes released by Osiris and is responsible for several skate shoe innoven- innovations, the most successful of which were plastic lace guards. The first shoe designed by Reed that was released by Osiris were the Osiris Gorgons. A very attractive name, uh, if I might add, Gorgon.
1: Uh, like, I,
0: it's like Lord of I, the Rings. I almost. owned
1: those Gorgons. Uh, I I own those Gorgons. I remember I specifically bought them out of a CCS catalog because of the lace protectors that they had, thinking, this is very smart. Now, here's where those shoes fell apart with those lace protectors is, as you ollie, the the lace protector was just a piece of rubber that sat up over the lace, uh, as if you were to... Before you folded over a piece of tape to wrap a gift or something like that, it was just like as the tape is sitting there waiting for you. So when you would ollie, it would actually get pulled on the grip tape, and they'd all snap. I snapped them all off, so then there's no lace protection, <laughs> and my shoe is twice as ugly because I have broken pieces of plastic on my shoe, and uh, I had those in the white. They lasted forever as far because as, they were white leather, but they... Did fail in the lace protection department. Uh, in that in that sense, so it made me think like, does the who designed this? Because I don't think they actually skate that much. But uh, he Brian uh, Reed is is a skateboarder. But uh, uh, bad design.
0: I think it was just you know uh, again you know there was this new renaissance of style. You know, skateboarding always had like a punk rock kind of like, like their punk rock roots to it. But yeah, as hip hop kind of grew into it, you know, they wanted to make things a little flashier, a little more flamboyant and, and bigger. Everything became bigger, baggy pants, bigger laces, you know, baggier shoes. Like people started skating with backpacks on in videos. And so it was, (laughs) it was all about accessories and chain wallets. And then like the hats with the, like the beanies with the bill, like there was all these things that you had to have as a skater that really had no place uh, in an extreme sport. And I feel like, yeah, the lace protectors are kind of your first hint that, like, Osiris is just going to keep making, like whack decisions <laughs> as far as uh, their tech their technology goes. So Osiris, they were known for overly technical shoes, meaning that they had an immense amount of bells and whistles. Osiris shoes began to grow, literally. They started releasing shoes that featured a more pronounced design, one that included several different materials and tons of cushion. Reed claims that his inspiration for boosting the size of shoes came from his experiences of wearing baggy pants and having to wade through urine and other fluids in hip-hop club bathrooms. His solution to not getting pee on his pants was to create bigger shoes this is where they could have taken a note from punks because you would just you could just wear boots you know <laughs> just, just wear like all-terrain fucking docks or something and you won't worry about the pee because you know we've been walking through piss for years but you know also it's interesting because skate shoes were becoming so expensive but the idea of creating a shoe specifically to walk through pee <laughs> like but then charge you know 120 dollars for it is is kind of ridiculous
1: yeah, if that was his main priority, it, it is strange to think, like, to me, the bigger shoe just means I'm stepping in more piss, but I, I get what, <laughs> what he was saying was like, oh, my jeans, like, I can stack up on my shoe, so I'm not gonna be dragging my jeans in it, but to me, I'm dry- like when I walk my dog in the rain, my shoe will flip up moisture and get on the back of my pants. So all the D3 did to me in this uh, scenario, if it's as soaked as he claims it was in these bathrooms, then you're just flipping piss up onto the bottom of your pants every time you walk around in these things, looking like Roger Klotz in his uh, uh his shoes on Doug, you know <laughs> uh, what is it what, Sky uh, uh, Sky yes. Davis shoes.
0: Well, uh, also it's kind of like um, like when you walk through snow, you know, and you're or like a treacherous terrain. You're supposed to spread your weight out, so people wear snowshoes or skis. It's like all you're yeah, you're just spreading yourself out more, catching more piss. You should have just cut out the middleman and made his shoes out of sponges if he was really that worried about it. <laughs> but also with the baggy pants, you start seeing this thing happen where they started rubber banding their baggy pants at the bottom and like tapering them themselves. Uh, you know, because again in skateboarding, there's kind of the two sides. There's like the punk street aspect, and then there's like the hip hop street aspect, you know, and usually teams will have a couple different people that are on, on both sides, but the styles are completely different. And uh, I'm sure they both handle P-Walking uh, differently. In
1: 1996, when Osiris was founded, Welcome to Hell came out, Toy Machines Welcome to Hell, and I believe Sh- Shorty's Fulfill the Dream also came out in '96 depending on which video you got first, kind of sent you on the path that you were going to be, whether you were a punk or whether you were a hip-hop skater. Because in the small town that I grew up in, there was five skateboarders and, uh, you know, it was... Divided in the middle. So literally one person was half punk, half hip hop, right down the middle. Uh, and it's de- dependent on if you got Welcome to Hell first or if you got Shorties Fulfilled the Dream first because Chad Muska skated for Shorties and that whole team had the hip hop element where Welcome to Hell was a lot of. Punk. It was Ed Templeton's vision, and he was a Discord Records guy. Right, you know, loved Ian MacKay, sort of things. So, um, I fell in the Welcome to Hell camp, and my shoes never got huge. Uh, and and so.
0: I, I feel like a, a like a more modern example of that would be like, say, the piss drunk skate crew versus the shake jump skate crew. And and again, if you're not familiar with skateboarding, yep. none of this means means anything to you. But piss drunks basically were all punk rockers, you know, tight pants, and then like that started kind of like. The crew skate team with, you know, where they had like signature tight jeans. It was like the first like pro model tight jeans and the shoes were getting smaller and like <laughs> they were really into like sunglasses and stuff and all the music and all of those guys' videos were going to be awesome. It's like Justin Dolan and like, you know, Andrew Reynolds and Jim Greco and guys like that, like, you know, Ollie Boala. Then, yeah, then you had the Shake Junt crew, which is just like trap music and weed and like gold teeth and it's like, but still renegade and, you know, with the punk rock spirit. And yeah, it, it really you know, you, you have two choices to make when becoming a skateboarder. <laughs> it's like, which are, which are you going to go for? <laughs> but yeah, so when the Osiris skate team was started, it was only made up of four riders, and one was Dave Mayhew. Brian Reed and Dave Mayhew lived in the same San Diego apartment building and became fast friends when the people around them began experimenting with hard drugs, something they were completely uninterested in. In 1999, it was time for Dave Mayhew to release a new signature shoe. It was the third shoe he had released so they named it the Osiris D3 three or Dave three. The shoe was the brainchild of three people. Firstly, Brian Reed, the designer, Tony Magnuson, the developer and Dave Mayhew, the face. So already, and you know, there's going to be some controversy here with the Osiris D three. It's not, we're not just talking about it cause it's, it's stupid. There's, there's some, you know, corporate, kind of like rivalry stuff going on uh, within the story of this. So Reed drew up the original designs for the shoe and along with Tony Magnuson, who was also the president of Osiris took several trips to Korea to learn how the production of the shoes actually worked so they could develop a more accurate blueprint. Mayhew claims that he conceptualized several of the most recognizable features of the shoe. And then Reed made it happen. This is a classic thing in, in, like a- any kind of you know shoe design or apparel design where there's always going to be the person with the idea and then the person that can actually do it. I mean, that goes for music, too, or any creative venture. You need someone that's the, the thinker, and then you need someone that's the doer. But Reed really kind of was both. But, you know, Mayhew, I'm sure, threw out, oh, and I want, like, double the air cushion, and oh, I want, you know, double the thing. But this design was already in the works, and they just kind of slapped the D3 name on it because, again, Reed was trying to keep his pants safe from peepee,
1: um dave uh so as as you said right there as far as skateboarders designing the shoes like all it is is them giving a rubber stamp and saying hey what about double the layer in the ollie patch huh you know like that's, yeah. that's <laughs> it. like what is one thing there's there's no way dave mayhew took this this shoe with all the things that went into it and sketched out what is going on here there's there's no world where that exists other than him just being like what if we made it in black and red and we'll say that you know that's the first one we released there that is the major contribution he would make i'm sure he was presented with like four different options of which one do you want for your third shoe and was like that one looks the most interesting you know and that's it
0: right and that's that's usually how it goes, is, you know, that they bring in the skaters. Here's a couple ideas we have. What do you like? What would you like to see changed? And that's kind of how they go. But again, you know, Reed is... The designer, he designed every pair of shoes for Osiris. So it's not hard to you know believe that Reed is completely responsible for the design. But yeah, at first, you know when the D3 came out, it did not sell well at all. And that was until Woodstock 99 alumni. Again, I can't escape Woodstock 99, no matter how hard I try. Fred Durst <laughs> of Limp Bizkit wore them on the MTV Video Music Awards. And then sales exploded. And skate fashion was getting really big in the late 90s and early 2000s in uh, In that many non-skaters started wearing the apparel you know we talked about this you know skate companies making like shoes for girls and stuff even though there wasn't like a huge market or a huge you know pool of girl skaters yet um and also it was just became the cool thing to have so you know and you could always tell who the posers were by who wore like pristine etnies or like who had like the most expensive skate shoe with the littlest amount of damage to it you know that that was kind of the thing that, like we we saw an explosion of the word poser uh in 1999 because that's when every store started selling all of these brands
1: yeah there, there was a there's a very specific thing in skate culture where uh if you're walking through a mall and you see somebody walking towards you and they're wearing skate shoes you give them the shoe check where you look down and you see like do they have ollie marks on either side of the their shoes uh and if they don't then fuck this guy! What what a complete clown, uh, you dilettante! <laughs> and if, if they have they have him on both sides, and you're like, shit, that guy probably rips. He can skate switch as good as he can skate regular, you know. Uh, but going back to Fred Durst, he did skate. You know, he wasn't a complete poser. Like that. I think this Olympic video where he's skating a mini ramp rather proficiently. He's not doing anything crazy, but he's you know doing some rock to fakies, some axle stalls and stuff. And uh, so I could see Fred owning these shoes for skateboarding. Probably has like six pairs of them one of them are his stage shoe you know or whatever but right uh, I, I could see him right. a- actually pushing around whatever jacksonville wherever the hell he's from
0: yeah well yeah exactly jacksonville also i feel like limp biscuit and kind of like the new metal scene like especially like the really heavy like on the rap like bands of new metal they uh like always, kind of wore that kind of stuff. Like Fred Durst made Dickies popular, like baggy Dickies with like kind of like the slip belts and stuff. And also, you know, at Woodstock '99, he wore a DC shoe shirt, and I always said like, damn, the biggest concert of your life, and you wore like a DC T shirt. But you know, yeah, he was he was <laughs> down with it, so. You know, we have Fred Durst to thank for, along with all of his other cultural contributions, uh, we have uh, the explosion of the Osiris D3. So it was time for <laughs> a sequel, a bigger, more explosive shoe, the Osiris D3 2001. This is the model that became the pop culture sensation, the model that inspired us to do this episode. This became the highest-selling skate shoe at the time and spawned dozens of rip-offs from other brands and thousands of knockoffs and bootlegs. As time went on, skate shoes began to shrink back down. Skate fashion in general was going in a different direction around 2004-2005 with the rise of a more punk and rock and roll-inspired skate aesthetic. You start seeing it in the music in in the videos and stuff. Like it was a very short lived period of the D3 to reign supreme. And I think it's because people realized you can't actually skate in them. Yeah. Like they're, it's, it, they're way too big. They're way too heavy. You know, I, I have a pair here. I, I wish, uh, you know, if we were, if we were doing this together, I would have had you try and skate in them.
1: <laughs> yeah. They, that era of skateboarding with those shoes because there, there was a, there was a time where you couldn't not buy a big shoe like it was all that was available to you and uh, the d3 is partially to blame for that especially if you were a kid that was ordering out of a ccs catalog uh you were just you had to buy a bulkier shoe when the vault like things slimmed back down and a vulcanized sole became popular like that's to me when skateboarding became It's like, oh, I can feel my board? Holy shit. You know, like, what a concept. (laughs) Right. And I I feel like what happened was, like, again,
0: like, the music, music always inspires fashion and, and culture. So when all the musicians and all the biggest and coolest bands are wearing these big puffy skate shoes that's what the kids want to wear but then you start seeing the rise of like the the new warp tour stuff like all the emo and screamo stuff and the those popular shoes there were like again going back to the roots vans chuck taylor's keds like very thin canvas based low tops which are kind of again if it's not broken don't fix it the most perfect skate shoe <laughs> I, I, I stand by that. And again, I don't thrash them as hard yeah. as, as, say, maybe someone of your proficiency, but that's the that's the kind of shoe you want.
1: Uh, I, oh, so I'm part of it is, for me, I'm vegan now, so I try to extend that into all aspects of my life. So I only skate canvas shoes or faux leather, but uh, the canvas shoe, does, you know, you got to bust out the shoe goo after three or four sessions, but uh, for the most part, it's yeah, it's the best thing to skate in because if you can prevent your board from landing. All right, so where the D three is the best is if your board lands on top of your foot and you come down full weight and crush your toes with your board. You feel no pain. In fact, it's <laughs> the D three probably released some sort of uh, thing into your system that like made you feel a sense of euphoria because of it. But now with like a canvas shoe, it makes you feel like your toes are gonna get severed off. But uh, it the the d3 has way too much going on uh i'm shocked to see like old skateboard videos where people are actually doing technical tricks in this shoe because it seems impossible
0: Right. And I bought a pair off of eBay. They're expensive folks. I I got a, I got a pair for less than they were when they came out. uh, Surprisingly, they're in pretty good condition, Uh, not in box or anything. That'll run you like four or 500 bucks, but they are so heavy. Each one is like a pound and a half to two pounds. It adds some serious fucking weight to your body when you wear these things. Uh, again, you know, making way for the sleek skate shoes that everyone swears by now. No one wears big. I mean, Nike, I guess, you know, they started the Nike SBs and stuff, and that's kind of the closest thing that we have to, like, the puffy skate shoe of of back in the day. But it's still a far cry from the D3s. Like, I mean, I can't stress it enough how big and, like, ungodly these shoes are. So Reed eventually left Osiris after over a decade of being their top designer. As time went on, he saw the change in skate fashion and street fashion in general. But in 2018, he noticed that the puffy, oversized shoe style he helped create was making a comeback on runways and red carpets. Uh, Billy Eilish wore a pair of D3s on a red carpet. And, you know, all these rappers start, started bringing them back out, like these new, like, cool, like, fashion rappers. And uh, Reed calls it the dad shoe, you know, because, like... There's there's so many examples of this in high fashion of just these like huge, massive shoes coming in. They're not using them for, you know, like active wear or anything like skate shoes were intended for. But the fact of the matter is, is they've made a comeback somehow against all odds. These big, huge, puffy shoes.
1: Yeah, there was a, a, a time um, when the puffier shoes, uh, as it got smaller, the puffier shoes that were still being made... Became less expensive, so there were actually, uh, it was kind of, um, it was like the poor kid's shoe, you know? Like if you were skating in a, in yeah. a puffier shoe, you're like, oh, that kid must be broke. And uh, I had friends that would call those like the dad vans. Like, oh, you, you got dad vans, you know? Like they're just this <laughs> disgusting looking shoe that's just too big. And then it's like, oh yeah, they're called dad vans because it looks like the guy that still wears jorts, you know, and is like, he skated for one year in 1996 and still thinks this is what's cool, but it's moved yeah. on. And also the sl- slimmer shoe, straight up just hurt his feet, you know, it's like, uh, Oh, I have a, I have a wide foot and these things uh, don't work for <laughs> yeah. me.
0: I got a corn. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> exactly. And also, you know, well, The thing with like the the poor kid shoes, it's like, yes, you start seeing and then you start seeing these knockoff brands trying to catch up and they're always going to be four years behind. So they're like making these new shoes. Like I remember there's a company, Nice Skate Shoes, NSS, Mm. and they like specialized in making puffy skate shoes after no one wanted them. And that that was (laughs) that was kind of kind of the thing with those. So in September of 2018, GQ Magazine published an article about rap star ASAP Rocky's new signature shoe, one that looked incredibly similar to the Osiris D3. In the article, they interview ASAP Rocky along with Dave Mayhew, who is credited with designing the infamous shoe. This did not sit well at all with the actual designer, Brian Reed. And ASAP Rocky's shoe was released by Under Armour, and he claims that they are for skate raving and for slam dancing. So it's, a uh, in my memory, the only shoe made for slam dancing, aka moshing.
1: Yeah, geez, uh, I, I guess we're, I'm glad we're in a pandemic right now because, like, I probably would have been slam dancing this entire time in the wrong shoe, you know? And like, how embarrassing would right. that have been if I went to a rock concert and I was slam dancing with the wrong shoe? <laughs> I mean, ah, uh. right? Yes, yes. I I've been
0: wearing boots and high top, and you know. Converses this whole time. Little did I know that the Osiris D3 not only is it good for walking through P, which would come in handy at many rock clubs and places where you might slam dance or uh, skate rave, whatever yeah, that means. Of course, um, they're also you know great for for you know uh, keeping your toes protected, which I just don't believe. But in response to the lack of credit he was given in the article, Reed went on an anti-Dave Mayhew press campaign claiming credit was stolen from him and that he was the rightful heir to the puffy skate shoe crown. There's no money involved in this by the way. This is strictly for honor, if you want to call it that. Like, like it's not like Dave May he was making more money because well I mean I guess he did uh get, you know, a little bit of a deal for helping design the uh, ASAP Rocky shoe. But besides that, I mean all Brian Reed wants is credit for creating what is known as the ugliest shoe of all time. Like and and he you can't even get that. Like, you know? It's pretty bad when you're when you're like Scraping for the recognition of creating something that everyone fucking hates, right? You know, well, I guess not everyone because uh, again, Billie Eilish wore them, so yeah. <laughs> we we have that. Yeah,
1: I feel like you know when people wear those shoes at that point, it's like when mom jeans became popular amongst like high fashion people is just basically saying I'm so good looking I can make these awful things look good on me, and it's like now I don't I don't think Billie Eilish looks at those and says. Wow, I wish I was born 15 years earlier So I could have worn these uh, When they first came out She she says this is a joke You know, like it's a fucking clown show
0: yeah, yeah, and also, you know, like, the mall goth fashion has come back in a big way in, like, the rap and pop world, which is strange to me. Like, Lil Uzi Vert wears, like, the giant, you know, parachute pants with all of the straps and, like, you know, jingly things hanging off of them with, like, some D3s or D3 similar shoes. So they're they're coming back in, in this weird way, and I guess... Maybe fashion caught up to the D3 because, you know, apparently they were ahead of their time when they came out. But now it's, like, just right because it's, like, futuristic and it's, like, a futuristic kind of, like, space age. Like, these are moon boots, folks. (laughs) Like, that's what these are, like... Like I feel like if Napoleon Dynamite was made now, one of the bullies in it would be wearing D3s, just to like show you how outdated wherever that movie takes place is. Mayhew claims that he originally conceptualized the signature side panels of the shoe, along with some of the other uniquely D3 features. Reed claims that some ideas were loosely passed around, and that he was responsible for the design and making them a reality. Flashing back to 1999, Osiris premiered their video The Storm. At the premiere party, Reed brought Mayhew on stage stage and presented him with a bronze d3 thanking him for designing the dopest shoe and i'm going to play a sample of that really quick so yeah he's uh, he brings him up gives him an award that is the shoe i would love a bronze d3 by the way and and tells him (laughs) in front of a whole room on camera you designed the dopest shoe now, he says that that was kind of, you know, Osiris was all about giving the writers all the credit. They didn't want to, you know, be like, well, I actually created the D3 for Dave Mayhew because no one would give a shit, you know what I mean? Like, no one no one cares about that. Like, no one cares who designed the Michael Jordans, you know, Air Air Force Ones or, or you know, the Air Jordans. No one cares. It's all about the face that is wearing them or the feet that are wearing them, I sh- I should say, and that's kind of where this goes. But that gave Mayhew the ego enough to go on to say that it's all him basically.
1: did you end up watching the storm?
0: No no I, I did not I, I have uh, I can only watch uh, skate videos all the way through with like four buddies and like, I, like in the same room and um, we need like hot Cheetos and, like, a couple other things on my rider for needing to sit through a whole one because it just makes me jealous because, again, I loved skateboarding and all my friends were skaters and, like, we would all go around, but I was the worst one. I couldn't do any tricks, so I was just the funny guy. Uh, and, and, like, that, like that was my thing and that that was pretty much it. So I just get, like, bummed because everyone makes it look so easy.
1: There's There's this running thing through... The Storm has some amazing parts in it, like Jerry Sue's part, he... There's a thing he does called the storm flip, which is basically a gnolly, uh backside flip, late flip, uh, and like he does it like twice in the video, I think. But it's this super technical, ugly, ugly trick that became the storm flip, and he does it as a joke at this point, like because he realizes how ugly it is. It's almost like this self awareness. But throughout Osiris's the storm, in between parts, there's uh, little snippets of them just. Playing paintball together like they're out in the woods like in all this like camouflage and it's so corny and you wonder who edited this video and included this paintball bullshit it just shows to me like that osiris made so many bad decisions like osiris was never cool to me despite the fact that their team riders were fucking sick skateboarders you know like but uh, right uh,
0: and th- that's like the saving grace of them but yeah I mean to me Osiris was always kind of like they were the gaudy brand like they they were the brand that had the nastiest stuff and the reason the, the, the whole thing with the success of the d3s especially the d3 2001s are the fact that they became such like a like a cornerstone of street fashion. So like they made them in every color combination you could think of pink and black, green and blue, gray and orange. I mean, I had Navy blue and neon orange ones at one point. <laughs> I mean, right now I have, I have gray and neon green ones and it's like the, any color combination you could think of. So if you were like, I, I lived on a street where at the end of the street, there was these two, rich girls like they were super super spoiled and one of the girls had like five pairs one for each kind of outfit she would wear and that was the success it was like well we know that these aren't necessarily practical for skating and also you know skaters you have your pair of skate shoes and you wear them until they're fucked and then you get new ones like with Osiris's like if they got beat up like (laughs) they were so expensive. You couldn't just like get another one. You wanted to protect them. So these were mostly just like fashion shoes and that's the whole, that's the whole thing with them. But yeah. So in a short documentary produced by vice, Reed explains that it was not an uncommon practice to credit the skater with the design of the shoe in order to boost sales. This is a practice upheld by many shoe and apparel companies, especially in the history of Osiris. The Osiris Grimm's shoe, for instance, came out years before the D3 and was also designed by Brian Reed. However, when the shoe was released, least they advertised it as being designed by pro skater matthias ringstrom now he was huge at the time that's what boosted osiris at first and kind of brought everyone to their thing and they realized oh this is how you sell shoes you attach a name to it you know what i mean because like for instance vans vans don't they don't really have like pro models like that they did for a while like i remember when i was in high school they had like tony Trujillos, which were like a puffy high top yeah the tnts Yeah, and then they had, like, the Grecos, which I had, which are like, low tops like, made of suede, you know, and and there's, you know, the the pro model is such a thing, but to start a skate company, like, to start a skate shoe company and not assign your shoes to a skater is just, like, a bad business model. So they learned that really quick. But later, that ended up biting Reed in the ass because the credit was never given to him properly until now here on Culture (laughs) Dumps. I guess guess so. uh, We have, you know, he has us to thank. Uh, Reed has also gone on to design a line of shoes for Etonic, which is a China-based streetwear brand, and his first model was titled the R3ID, which spells out Reed, uh, but also has a little bit of a D3 callback in that. So that's kind of where the story of the D3 lies, where it came from, what it means. But what does it all mean overall? While the oversized puffy skate shoe has fallen out of favor for people who actually skate, it has definitely made a comeback in the world of fashion. Whether they are on the feet of a pro skater in 1999 or on the feet of a pop star in 2021, the Osiris D3 has made a lasting impression that, for better or worse, is here to stay. I don't know if they're ever going to really make a comeback the way I just made it sound. But it's, it's because they're expensive. That's why celebrities are wearing them. It's because they're an expensive, hard to find vintage piece of footwear. But again, at the time, you could not escape these fucking shoes.
1: Yeah. Uh, where, where did you come down? Um, I, I think you already alluded to it, but in that Vice documentary, obviously, Dave has his story. Brian has his story. Where where do you come down on Who is responsible for the D3 and the D3 2001? I mean, they're
0: the Dave threes, you know, so at the end of the day, it's a pro model for a guy. So the guy whose pro model it is will be the guy whose shoe it is, you know, period. But I mean, just like I said, it's like, you know, like the Beatles, right? Like you couldn't have like the Beatles without their producer Phil Spector uh you know uh rest in Greece, you know, murdering bastard but it's like you know there's always going to be someone behind the scenes actually putting these things together and actually doing it like Brian Reed went to Korea to visit the factory where these would be made so he could see the extent of the technology so he could design shoes better I mean he he designed, you know, tons and tons of different models of shoes, eventually landing on this one that made him and his company and Dave Mayhew millions of dollars. So at the end of the day, it's Reed's shoe, it's Reed's design. He drew it up. But, I mean, you can write the best song in the world, but if you're not the person singing it, you're not the person singing it. And that's kind of where it lays. I think it's a 50-50 split. But at the end of the day, yes, Reed created the D3s, but Mayhew – Made them what they are. And actually, I mean, maybe that's even giving Mayhew a little too much credit. Fred Durst made the D3s what, what they are. Because, <laughs> again, no one was really buying them until they saw people like Fred Durst wearing them. Then it became a thing. And it became okay to buy these, you know, 100 dollar skate shoes for not skating in. You know, so it's like no one—no one was buying them because they thought they wanted the same shoes Dave Mayhew wore. They bought them because they wanted to wear what their f- most favorite rock star or pop stars were wearing.
1: What was the? Do you know what the initial price point was on this? Because I saw in that documentary there's a brief screen grab, and it says one hundred and forty-nine ninety-nine, and that to me seemed higher than I remembered. I thought they were like you know a ninety-nine dollar shoe. Do you? Does did you? Were you able to find what the initial price point was? Well, the, the first one. So the
0: original D threes were about a hundred dollars in change. Um, but then, when the two thousand ones came out, you know, piggybacking on the success of the first ones, and these in the two thousand ones were designed more f- like like with the idea that non-skaters are going to be wearing them in mind. So they had a higher price point because, you know, oh, Fred Durst can wear them, you know what I mean? And people always, you know, skateboarding, it's its its a niche culture. I mean, it's huge. It's a, it's a gigantic thing, but it's a culture within itself. So, you know, non-skaters aren't going into a skate store just to, you know, check out these shoes. It's only when they see a celebrity wearing them. So they were able to jack up the prices because, yeah, skateboarders, for the most part, you know, they tear up their shoes, they, they they rip them to shreds. So it's not really worth it to buy the most expensive ones. But if you're just wearing them to look cool, then yes, they can charge $140 for them. And yes, there was certain ones, like if you got ones that were just all black, they might be a little bit cheaper than the ones with like six colors on them. Yeah. But right around, yeah, 140 150 bucks is, is where they were sitting, which is out of control.
1: Right. And, and that's that's the other thing I think that a lot of, a lot of skateboarders started to go towards the less bells and whistles on their shoes because I don't think you could trust those higher price points to last as long as what would justify paying $125 for a pair of shoes because stitching is stitching. You know, you are you can't get around that. You're going to detach a sole or something like that because it's just glued on. It's not going to last you double the time of a $60 shoe. So I think a lot of people just out of, for economic reasons in skateboarding, just said, I'm going to stick with the more basic $60 to $75 price range. And if it goes lower than this, great, even better for me. But yeah, that anything north of $100 was never worth it to me, especially having tried skating some of the more expensive shoes and ripping them just as fast uh because even if that one part of it was specifically designed to last longer some it fails elsewhere you know like the the, right. the air bubble pot like is open and cracked and so all of a sudden when you step in a puddle it's soaking up through the bottom of your shoe because it's leaking in you know or pee
0: yeah or pee no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> now never forget that d3s were originally created to wade through pee <laughs> you know what i mean but also I, I think that again you know skateboarding has such like uh, you know the roots it's the roots are so embedded with music that you know hip-hop has a lot of you know flash involved and and there's you know and bling and, and things like that and a lot of you know showing off of wealth and success and you know status symbols like buying expensive shoes like buying expensive clothes jewelry things like that so once the tide started to turn and like You know the rock and roll aspect started coming back into skating. It the idea of yeah having these expensive flashy shoes, what just fell out of favor anyways? You know it didn't matter if they held together better or not. It was just the principle of the thing. You know it was a more of a philosophical thing. You know about not wanting to spend you know one hundred fifty dollars on shoes that I'm going to thrash. You know whereas. If you were, like, a hip-hop skater, you're like, no, I want those $150 shoes, like, because they're $150 and they're, like, the most popular, you know, whereas, like, kind of the soul skaters, you know, <laughs> like, the, the punk rockers, they didn't give a fucking shit about that. They just wanted to shred. So you kind of have have that whole thing. But I guess, folks, we wanted to do this because when I posted a picture of the D3s on our Instagram, a lot of you guys freaked out about them and wanted us to do this. So I'm glad we did bill. Tell us a little bit about your new podcast vert button.
1: So Vert Button is a skateboard rewatch, skateboard video rewatch podcast. So everybody's familiar with the rewatch podcast at this point. But me, uh, Andrew Cannon, who is a former pro skateboarder and currently the brand manager of Santa Cruz, and Tim Ward, who is one of the people over at the Nut Daily News, which is a skateboard satire site. We. We'll watch a video, uh, old video from the glory years of our escape, where everybody has a different glory years. We started around 96. And uh, so that our 10-year period that we're going to mainly focus on, it will eventually uh, branch out from there, is 96 to 2006 in the videos that fell into there. So we we watch the video, we break down the music choices, whether they work, whether they don't work, the skateboarders, and we look at it from a lens of, How did this make us feel when we were 15 watching it as opposed to now like, hey, this guy, you know, he's kind of posting Q conspiracies on his Instagram now. We don't get into that that much, (laughs) you know, like it's more of like, well, yeah, because
0: you're talking about the video. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And how like the fact uh not that jim greco is a q guy but like jim greco in uh zero's misled youth skates to a black flag song and like this is the first time i heard black flag you know like like i can't it blew my mind you know and and stuff like that so it's we're breaking down the parts breaking down the music choices what works what doesn't work does this we did birdhouse is the end uh where tony hawk has during his part spliced in bullfighting footage which disgusted me like at the time it disgusts me now i wish there wasn't bullfighting footage in <laughs> a skateboard video uh you know and uh so yeah we we go through that and it's been a great time uh eventually we will do osiris's the storm i'm actually very much looking forward to that one and i will do a D three count. How many times uh, those skateboarders are wearing that and to see, are they doing handrails? Are they doing flat grounds? Where did the D three shine in this video?
0: Right? So, well, let me ask you this as a, as a skateboard video aficionado is CKY and CKY two K are those skateboard
1: videos. CKY. The first one is a skateboard video. CKY two K is not a skateboard video cky the first one has enough skateboarding to be considered a skateboard video and then there's also the bullshit sketches they realized the bullshit sketches were what people loved which are some of them are very funny and hold up like the uh the football trivia i don't know if you know that oh yeah it's very funny kelly goosecock come on uh (laughs) it's good stuff and then cky2k has minimal skateboarding and more bullshit Uh, I haven't watched CKY2K or CKY in a while. I don't know how they hold up. I do know that all of the old Big Brother videos where Johnny Knoxville made his uh, start, his sketches in those definitely hold up still very funny johnny knoxville is a charming person and naturally yeah. funny
0: <laughs> well yeah and uh and folks if you haven't watched the documentary about big brother magazine you absolutely should because oh, yeah. it's it's amazing you know for fans of uh, jackass and skateboarding alike it, it, it's perfect well bill thanks for coming on this has been an episode of culture dumps for exclusive culture dumps content follow us on patreon at patreon.com slash culture dumps if you have a suggestion for an episode please email us at culturedumps at gmail.com or on instagram at culturedumps we'll see you next time